It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Hope that you are having a great Friday. And right now, it is our pleasure to welcome to the show uh, for his usual Wednesday visit on a Friday, Clinton Yates. What's up? What's going on, man? I am honestly exhausted, both <laughs> physically and literally and figuratively, excuse me, because I've spent the last five days in Nashville, Tennessee, home of the winter meetings where one Shohei Otane did nobody any favors by not signing while anybody was actually paying attention to this window. So that has been a long slog and brain drain. And quite frankly, as a baseball fan, I'm a little annoyed with it at this point. Yeah. Ba- baseball free agency is so weird to me because, like, I actually don't know when it starts. I know most things happen at the winter meetings, but there's not like this July 1st NBA-style deadline. Like, would baseball benefit from that of trying to make it a la NFL free agency is now like that, too, where there is, you like, know, a real, like, let's let's start this party now? Maybe in general, but it, maybe not in general, but in specific for Shohei, I could have used a lot more fanfare. This whole vow of secrecy, if anybody says anything, then your chances are screwed deal, to me is just very lame. Like, I get it. He's a private guy, and I'm not mad at him as a player. I really enjoy his play quite a bit. But this all just feels like a lot of fanfare over what is effectively nothing in the context of what we're actually getting. And so it just kind of feels like, hey, man, you do know that at some point in time you do have to actually exude a personality in order for people to like you. Maybe that's just me, but it's all very exhausting, and I just kind of feel like MLB has not quite gotten what they wanted out of this process from arguably the most famous player that's ever played in their league. Right. Well, that's the funny thing is like for years, MLB hot stove was like the free agency, even more mm-hmm. than NBA, more than, than the NFL, certainly. And then NBA free agencies kind of started to blow up. Obviously, the decision uh, was was the big, uh, you know, pile of pyro there. Um, and then, you know, Durant signing on July 4th with the Warriors and like all through the years, we've seen how that's evolved. And the NFL was like, Oh, this is good. We need to make sure that we have like free agency specials on TV and it's going to start at this time. And like they've done a good job of that as well. And now hot stove is kind of in the background where it's like, Oh, in the middle of the night, in the middle of winter, Juan Soto became a Yankee. And I, I think for the way modern media works, people are so much more interested in the transactions than the games and in so many ways that like MLB's got to do something to catch up, Shohei or not. You're totally right, and, you know, as somebody who's a veteran of the winter meetings, this one felt particularly lacking in that regard. It just sort of felt like, what are we doing here? Because not only does Shohei not sign, but because of who he is as a player, that sets the market for a lot of other teams, both from a pitcher and a player standpoint, because he's a two-way guy. So it is legitimately affecting things around, around Major League Baseball, not just the particular fan desires of any one group or any one team. Like, you can't sign a bunch of people if you're waiting around for the big fish to sign to regulate the rest of the market. And I think it's just been kind of disappointing overall. I mean, sure, there might be news today. We're talking about who's going on private jets to where, what people's dogs are named, and so on and so forth. But, like, I could have used something closer to the decision, quite frankly, Gregory, because that would have at the very least been entertaining with some level of finality to it as well. I think if ESPN, here's a hot take for you. If ESPN had better executed the decision and it wasn't at the Boys and Girls Club of Greenwich, that would be seen as like an amazing, smart way to do that. 
Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I do not fall in the category of people who thought the decision was a bad thing. Not remotely. I mean, yeah, it was a little overblown, but I'm not going to let the actions of some idiots in Cleveland who decided to start burning jerseys make me think that that wasn't pretty cool. I remember exactly where I was when that happened, and I will forever do so. So, you know, I, I do think that there's something that both networks from a television standpoint, not just my own, but MLB Network as well, could do better. But I also feel like MLB's got to find a way to corral you know, it's stars because you just can't have one guy jerking around a bunch of teams. And I don't say that loosely. I just mean that that's kind of what it feels like. When a manager like Dave Roberts gets castigated for even acknowledging that a guy visited the stadium, like, that's just ridiculous. This has gone a little too far. For sure. Clint Yates with us, uh, fresh off the winter. Well, not fresh. He just got back from the winter meetings in Nash- <laughs> Nashville. They uh, were exhausting. Uh, did the, any Woo Girls crash the winter meetings? Was that, that add to any of the exhaustion? Having to dodge them? Uh, You know, what's weird about it is that it was in Nashville at the Gaylord. And if you've ever been to that Mm. place, it's like this big indoor resort that has like a ceiling that's that's all glass. So during the day, it kind of feels like you're outside. And at night, it's just dark with all the lights lit up from Christmas and so on and so forth. So being inside that particular facility for an extended amount of time, yeah, not exactly great for morale. But, you know, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. All right, as for Otani the player, like, yeah. what, what is his two-way future? Because he's not going to pitch in 2024. Um, we know when he is pitching, he's a Cy Young caliber starter. But he's also coming off his second major elbow surgery, second Tommy John. Like, is he a reliever moving forward? Does he do the John Smoltz thing where he, he goes from starter to reliever or closer? Um, is he just a hitter now? Like, and, and how does that ultimately impact these contract negotiations because I don't want to pay him to be a two-way player uh, if if I don't if I'm not going to get a two-way player but if I'm Scott Boris at his age or, or whoever his agent is he Boris guy he is a Boris guy yeah he's not a Boris or he's not guy. a Boris his guy agent, his oh, agent a Boris is a guy, guy whose name is escaping me right now but his agent is a former baseball player and I'll answer your question in a second but yeah. a lot of people believe that his agent is what's driving all of this goofiness in terms of everything just trying to sort of make a name for himself that's a little unfair but it's also possibly partially true. As for your question, that is the smart baseball question, Craig. And I've been sort of looked at as an outsider for thinking, for thinking and saying aloud, like, hey, this dude's not the same dude that you had the last six seasons, not even close. Coming back from double TJ is not a thing. It's happened, but it is not something that you can just reliably plug somebody in and say, yeah, he's going to be the Cy Young caliber pitcher or that he's even going to want to pitch again. And that's where this big question comes in. And I think – is a big part of what these negotiations are about. Which teams are willing to just pay him, even if it's not as a two-way player, but as sort of a social media content creator, that's basically what you're getting. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting because this is not unlike the Messi deal in MLS. Like, this guy's huge. Wherever he goes, he's going to br- bring a certain bump to the market. So you're paying almost for more than just baseball on a lot of levels. Dude, double TJ for a guy who DHs when he doesn't pitch – it's a completely different scenario than we saw in the last six seasons in uh, Anaheim. And I think a lot of baseball fans are going to have to prepare themselves for that. It's possible and most likely the days of Shohei as some robot who can do everything are, are kind of behind him just because of the limitations of the human body. Yeah, no, without question. And I heard uh, your boy Jeff Passan talking about this with SVP the other night, uh, which he's like, Otani will pay for himself in a way that no other player in baseball will because of the social media, because of the media bump and all that kind of stuff. Um, but still, if I'm a GM, like I'm trying to win World Series and, and that's right. that uh, having no idea who I'm spending $500 million on seems less than ideal. Um, meanwhile, 
Juan Soto is a Yankee now. Um, he he yeah. was a national. He won a World Series. We fell in love with him. Then they had to trade him to, to San Diego. And I guess my, my question on this, Clinton, uh, before we get to like Juan in, in New York and what this could mean for them moving forward, but why did it go so wrong in San Diego? Because there is no way the Padres gave the Nationals all of that stuff that we are going to hopefully enjoy for the next decade here in D.C. to get a year and a half of Juan Soto and then trade him away to the Yankees. Yeah, this is a straight-up professional botch by the Padres, and not just because of what they did, but it's because of how it happened. They basically need to shed payroll due to legitimate accounting errors from their front office, and Juan Soto was the only guy without a no-trade clause, except he was the best player on the team, and that is a problem. You know, you, you, you couldn't get rid of your other guys who were getting paid more, the Bogarts of the world. You know, there's various things I could go through, but what a mistake if you're the Pods, man. If I'm a San Diego fan, I am livid that after doing all that to get that guy, you can't even find a way to keep him in the building because you've got money problems. It's embarrassing to the league overall, and I do think that there's something to be said also for the fact that for a guy who's, what, 25 years old to get traded twice before he's even gotten to, uh, you know, got to his free agency, that's weird, man. I really hope that Soto finally gets into a stable situation because he's such a talent and he's such a player, and him being in New York, Craig, with that short porch out there in right field as a left-handed bat, I think it'll do him a world of favors. But overall, I think both of these teams, the Yankees and the Padres, have been kind of operating in malpractice mode, and both were desperate, which is why they ended up giving up so much to get a guy like that who hasn't necessarily been the greatest last season. Yeah, so that leads to what now for Soto? Like, is he now a Yankee for pretty much life, or is there a chance that he's a free agent next year? And I don't know, the Washington Nationals could go knocking again. <laughs> I don't expect the Nationals to be the team that's involved in any talks with him in a free agent. But, again, he's going to be a pretty popular guy in New York, I believe so. And I don't think New York trades for him without at least some guarantees that they have, at the very least, an inside track to keeping him. Again, Soto is one of the most exciting young players in the game. And if he's constantly getting shuffled around from team to team, I don't see that as good for Major League Baseball. I don't really even see that as good, quite frankly, for him. No, that is not the Juan Soto shuffle we deserve. We know yeah. what that is. That's a bad Juan Soto shuffle. Uh, Clint Yates with us, of course. Uh, you can catch him top of the hour, by the way, on Around the Horn on ESPN. Yes, uh, real quick before we go, I'm sure this is where you guys start the show today. NBA in-season tournament. Uh, when, 1 to 10, what did you think it was going to be? 1 to 10, what's it been for you? Um, it's been about a five. Like, it's not that I don't like the basketball. It's not like... I don't like the course. It's just bringing this weird feeling to me of like, what exactly are we celebrating here? Am I really supposed to consider the IST some sort of form of postseason clutchness or whatever you want to call it that I'm going to factor into what I think about how teams are going to do in the actual NBA playoffs? I don't think so. Like, if you didn't know who Halliburton was before this tournament, sorry, you don't like NBA basketball that much, you know? And do you hang a banner if you win it? It's a very weird situation. And like, LeBron had a great game the other night. I just remember thinking to myself, like, man, when this guy gets up, he really gets up for it, and he wants it. And I'm just very curious to see how this goes in the next five years or so because at the current moment, it doesn't resonate with me. I don't really feel it. I don't have a problem with it. I don't don't have an issue with gimmicks for gimmicks' sake. This just happens to be a gimmick that I don't particularly like very much. And the, you know, the, the... sort of neutral venue part of it is what made it weird to me. When this is all happening on home courts, it seemed more normal. Now it just feels odd. I don't know why. But, you know, it's produced some good basketball, some good unis, so I'm not mad at it. It just might not be for me. 
I guess not. I, I feel like you're zigging when everyone else is zagging. I've loved it. I think that it like it's bringing out a competitive side that we don't see outside of the playoffs, which is great to get in December. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's like the NBA's version of the NCAA tournament, not in that obviously that's what you play for in March Madness uh, in, in college basketball, but, like, the tournament do-or-die element of it is – I, I think it's actually like you just can't help it. Like if you're competitive and you know yeah. we're it's winner in uh, or winner go home, then you're going to play differently. And I think that the teams that have have really embraced that are the two teams that are going to wind up in the final. To your point, I don't know what happened, like how you feel if you win, but it feels better than losing. I don't disagree, but there's also a part of that that really exposes to me how much and how boring some people consider regular NBA basketball, so to speak. Like, I watch the league night in and night out because I enjoy the product as is. It feels strange that for a league to kind of, I'm not going to say cannibalize itself because that's not what it's doing, but it puts, puts such a flashlight on all the other things happening around the league that I guess aren't good enough to get hyped about. Like, it's just a kind of a strange competitive balance for me as a fan, never mind somebody who's covered the league for a while, that I just sort of think that could be happening every night, but it's not. What's going on there, you know? But I'm not trying to um, yuck yums. It's just something that I think ultimately I will remember for how the courts look and how the unis look, not for necessarily, you know, some guy lit it up in the NBA Cup final. That's not really doing it for me. Yeah, no, The this court, by the way, is one step too far. The Vegas court, yeah. super video gamey. Like, we can't... Yes. We're, we got to we got uh, Mario Mario Kart Rainbow Road, which uh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly we gotta, what we got to dial it back like five percent, and then we're <laughs> then we're they're gonna hit all the notes for me. We'll work on Clint. Yeah. Uh, Clint Yates <laughs> with us uh, weekly here on the Hoffman Show. Appreciate you sliding around with me out in the middle of the week, uh, hitting up uh, hitting us up here on a Friday. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Anything for you, Gregory. Appreciate it, and happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. That's Clint Yates, everybody, with us. On the Hoffman Show with us on a football Friday on the Team 980, driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. When we get back, it is time for our weekend preview here on the Team 980.